Jazz Heads Radio. We find people whose heads are full of music and we delve inside just for you. Welcome to Jazz Heads Radio. We're live at Wakefield Jazz and we've just had a fantastic set from the Jonathan G Quartet featuring Tim Whitehead. As the equipment was being packed away, I caught up firstly with Tim. Tim, have you got a first track for us? Yeah, well, for some reason, a track off an album that I made back in 1999 called Personal Standards. The track that I that sprang into my mind was My Girl, the um, Tamla Motown tune. And um, part of the reason it sprang into my head was because I was away in Crete with my wife and we were driving over the White Mountains coming back to where we were staying. And uh, we, only had one, <laughs> we only had one album and a CD player in this hire car. And it was it was it was my it was personal standards. So uh, we stuck it on, and as we were coming up over the top and coming down into the valley below, with this fantastic. So we were listening to that track, and we were listening specifically to um, Liam Noble's solo on it. And I was completely blown away listening to it, you know, because it was it is so good. It's so good. His playing on it is just so good. And I, I do love that track, and I love the play out on the track, which is like get down stuff, really. A slow but really get down groove, you know. And, and um, I, I, when I listen to it now, I'm quite proud of it because, it's, because, it, because for me, it says something. It's a very, very, very simple approach, and it's really hard to make that thing work um, at that tempo and, and, and in that vibe, you know. But, but I love it. I mean, I must admit, although, yeah, I do love it.
So Tim, uh, your second track, so something from an artist that you feel is underrated and should have a bit of a wider hearing, or maybe a track that you feel mm. that everybody should hear? Well, oh, yes, I know. Maria Schneider, Maria Schneider Orchestra. There's a, there's a track called Hang Gliding. I play it in my car quite a lot, actually. It's got the most amazing sense of space in it. It's a piece of ensemble playing, of large ensemble playing, in inverted commas, big band. In a way, in a way slightly, slightly reminiscent of my favorite moments of playing with loose tubes, really. Uh, and actually, I went to, when I was in New York uh, one time, I, I went and sought out uh, one of the tenor players from that band, a guy called Rich Perry, who is just the most beautiful player. Not really very well known at all, but my God, he is, he is just a wonderful one. It, for me personally, for my taste, I could listen to him all, all night, you know. And uh, I also met Maria Schneider and we talked about stuff and I said to her, have you ever heard of a band called Loose Tubes? And she hadn't heard of us at all. And there's loads of things in what they do and it's, it really reminds me of Tubes, you know, it really does. The harmony, the approach, uh, the melodicism, um, you know, there's so much about it that reminds me of it. But that track, Hang Gliding, is a killer. It's and beautiful. And have you met Maria Schneider after she's heard Loose Tubes? No, no. I, I, if only I'd had a Loose yeah, Tubes album on me when, when, when I went to see her. I went to see her in a little flat in, um, in, on the east side of Manhattan. And, uh, and it's it funny because I, I, I saw her right at the end of my stay there at that time. I told her that I, like, I, I was going to the airport after I'd seen it, and she spent half the time that I was there worrying that I was going to miss my plane. You know, <laughs> she, kept, she kept worrying for me. You know, we, we get involved in talking about stuff and we go off, you know, for, and then every sort every so she'd go, oh my God, you're playing, you know. <laughs> but yes, lovely lady, lovely lady, and fantastic writer, beautiful writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Tim, for your third track. Yeah. Uh, so something that, well, that made you think differently about music, maybe. Yeah, well, when I was starting out, I'd been in London for maybe a couple of years, and I'd been studying, um, not, not music, I have to say. And then I quit everything else, and I started playing music. And I was bought a copy of Cone Concerts um, by Keith Jarrett, by my ex-girlfriend actually who invited me around to dinner and gave me that as a birthday present and at that time I'd been doing some playing and the, the playing in London at that time was very kind of polarised amongst the jazz players there was, a great, there was a great deal of polarisation between on the one hand lots of very free improvisation and on the other hand hard bop you know like yeah. bebop really um, and there wasn't a great deal in between Sometimes I, I felt as I felt as if I were a bit a bit of a fish out of water at times because none of it quite connected with the way I was feeling that I wanted to sort of do it. Um, so what was it for you? It was like you liked the groove of the hard bop, but you liked the expression of the free jazz, but you wanted something to brought. The well, I love all of it. I love all of it. But to me, you know, like it felt as if you know I I I'd be in situations and I'd feel as if it wasn't. It wasn't doing everything that I wanted it to do, you know. Like I, I felt that the, the polarization, in a, in a way, meant that people lost out on, on on opportunities in the music. You know, there was that famous thing about um, John Stevens' spontaneous spontaneous music ensemble, whereby, like, if you if you played a recognizable phrase, then you were you were kicked out of the band, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> And uh, so there's a bit of that, and then when I so I, I went and had dinner with this with this my ex girlfriend is a lovely woman, and a hacker, and um, and um, she gave me this album. We put it on and played it, and I just I just cried when I heard it. I just cried. I wept because it was such a relief to hear somebody doing the kind of thing that he was doing on that album. And of course, it's completely improvised, but I mean, it's so structural. It's so, and it's like he was doing what people were kind of avoiding doing, and he did it. And, and of course, he reaped huge success from it, quite rightly, because he had the courage to sort of pursue that thing that he wanted. And um, it just made such, it was, it, the, the impression that it made on me was like, it was, it was like I was waiting to hear it. And when I heard it, it was a relief. Oh, thank God, you know, somebody's done that. Somebody's done that. Somebody's flagged that thing up. One of the things that is really arresting and is in my consciousness for all time is the very opening sequence. Um, but it's the way those exploratory questioning moments um, open out and develop into these amazing grooves. And he is so strong, he keeps the groove happening with the left hand and he does, does all kinds of other things with the right hand. You know, you'll you play, you'll you play, you'll be playing out of time with the right hand, and the left hand will be keeping everything right together. You know, he had such, on a technical level, he had such strength, um, and has such strength, uh, and, and, and on an artistic level, it, it, it's a, such a complete piece of work. And the interesting thing about it, it was recorded on a piano, which initially he refused to play, because they arrived to record it for ECM. And it was um, the, the lady that was the, the, that uh, was promoting the gig. It was the first gig she'd ever promoted um, in, uh, in in Cologne, um, and she was still like a student. She borrowed the money off her father in order to to promote the gig and hire the the, the town hall. 
And um, uh, when it came to it, when, when, when Jarrett arrived with M Manfred Eicher, he checked out the piano for about two minutes and he said, I, I can't play that, it's, it's just not good enough. And I actually wanted to go back to the hotel and, and pull the gig. Um, because it was the only piano that was available, even though they had in Cologne Town Hall, they had something like three or four Steinways, and this was the worst one. They'd given them the worst one. And um, um, Vera Brandt, who was, who was promoting the gig, that was the first thing she ever, she simply became a big promoter, actually. Um, she pleaded with Jarrett in, <laughs> in the back of uh, her... I can't remember, it was her car, I think, you know, and he pleaded with, with, with him to do the gig, explained that it was the first gig she'd ever promoted, and um, blah, 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 you know, and in the end, Jarrett relented and said, all right, you know, and in the end, he said, okay, I'll do the gig, and, the, and of course, that, you know, as they say, the rest is history. I mean, it won so many awards, and it's sold millions of copies, you know, it's extraordinary. So, yeah, that's, that's a good one. But the, my, I'm going to be very greedy and, and, and annoying by saying there's another track that I would love to slot in there. Again, it's a very much a sort of balladish thing, and it's Wayne Shorter. Wayne Shorter, um, not too long ago, maybe 2003, 2004, something like that, he made an album called Allegria. And it is a brilliant piece of work. I mean, the guy just seems to have such strength. He goes on and on and on and on. And to me, it's one of the best albums he's ever done. Um, and the album and the track that really is so arresting is he plays an English folk tune called um, uh, She Moves Through the Fair. And it, he's an American guy who's into science fiction and all kinds of things. And he plays an English folk song in the jazz. Well, he just plays an English folk song and improvises on it better than almost any, anybody else I've ever heard play that. So you've got to check that out.
So there you go. Three tracks selected by Tim Whitehead and a little bit of background as to why he selected them. And now we have Jonathan G. Okay, I'm going to choose a song of Michael Cicada, which we played tonight, um, which is just happens to be a song that I know people like. It's just one of those songs that people say, I like that song. And a few bands I've been in have said, can we play that song? And it's on about four or five albums. And it's... Uh, I, I wrote it strangely in the main section is in 19 bars and then I discovered that there are cicadas who appear every 13 and 17 years um, because it's safest to appear in prime numbers because their predators can't, uh, can't count in prime numbers. It's an absolute scientific fact that they think that's why the cicadas come in 13 and 17 year cycles because they think because it's, prime numbers are safer. Predators think predators are a bit like, you know, Stormtroopers, aren't they? Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching like Disney films, like ants, but you can just get that feeling the predators go dum, 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 and they call more um, threatened, slightly more sensitive cicadas um, live in prime numbers. So, but people like that song.
And Jonathan, your second track, so something from an artist that you feel is underrated or maybe a tune you feel should just have a wider hearing. Um, I'm going to get really slowly out there. I'm going to say the, the Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. Now, Stravinsky obviously is, is really, really well-known, well but um, to me, the Rite of Spring sort of like suggested most of the 20th century in one fell swoop. So, yeah, I know a lot of the people who are listening to me speak probably haven't listened to the Rite of Spring recently, so go and listen to the Rite of Spring.
And Jonathan, your third track, so something, a piece of music that's really influenced you. So Miles Davis had an album in 1964 called My Funny Valentine, which is like a live album with uh, George Common on saxophone and then the classic rhythm section of Herbie Hancock, Tony Williams and Ron Carter. And they do, they play My Funny Valentine and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, an, it's one of the great uh, performances in, in playing of music and jazz and when I first heard that soon after I, when I was in my early 20s a friend of mine um, it was like it just opened up a million possibilities of actually how to play a standard
Thank <laughs> you. 